Welcome back to another late night with the Learning Factory. That's definitely, that's going to be the intro. <laughs> Perfect. You are listening to The Learning Factory. Please explain and justify your reasons for listening. Okay, welcome back to The Learning Factory, episode six. Who would have thought we would have made it this far without giving up and crying in the corner? And um, the same could be said about most of our teaching careers, I reckon. <laughs> um, episode six, we're talking about stop, drop, and roll up your sleeves. We're discussing what are, what are we what are we talking about here? These titles are getting they're getting unwieldy. Uh, so, yes, we're talking about the safety versus inquiry. When do you jump in and tell them they're doing yeah, it wrong? Okay, yeah, I suppose not something you have to worry about in every subject, really, is it? Um, more of no. a design-specific thing. Hence why we're talking about it on the design-specific podcast, I suppose. Uh, we can we can break this up into a couple of different sections, can we? Look, we've tried to cater for a wide variety of our four listeners. Yep, who come from a wide variety of people. We've um, broken it down into the into three design disciplines: material, food, from the product side of the family, and then digital. All right. Well, that sounds okay. Uh, digital design, probably the hardest one sometimes to make make fit with with everything else. But we'll we'll try our best to get it in there. Yes. Well, maybe we should start with that. Should we start with digital? Yeah, we can. Um, we can get that. Seeing as we're both, we're we're you know a bit sort of nuffies with that one. Numpties is putting it mildly. Yeah. Um, I think. Probably, well, my definitely my weakest uh, section, uh, especially things like code and and that sort of stuff, is definitely something I've had to learn over the over the last few years. But getting something done in digital, I find getting an actual physical, not physical, an actual product made in digital is often the hardest part. But then you bring in some safety elements to it. What could we possibly think? I don't think. I don't think we're talking about Terminator style, like Rise of the Robots stuff here, are we? <laughs> oh, well, I don't know about the kids at your school, Dave, but we're well beyond that here. <laughs> yeah, Sarah Connor is the uh, the head of digital design here. That's all right. Here it's all, you know, Godzilla versus Python. <laughs> let's uh, let's th- think of two lizards and make them into sort of coding languages. Yeah. <laughs> Some of the code I've written probably looks awful yeah. and ugly like that too. Well, I guess I guess some of the stuff here is if we're looking at that question we've asked about safety versus inquiry, I guess one of the big ones with digital design is digital citizenship and ethical use, that type of thing. I wanted to get onto the ethics of it uh, in a little bit, but I suppose the, the most basic stuff is if you say to students in a school, whether you have like a, whether you've got like a computer lab, um, which probably a lot of state schools have still, or do you have one-to-one computers? But when you let a load of kids off on computers or on iPads and you just tell them, yeah, fire away and research stuff, if it's very, very open inquiry, you have no idea where they're going to end up, do you? They're going to go on a complete wiki-wander around the internet and worst comes to worst, they've turned off safe search and they're they're looking at things they probably shouldn't be for their age um, or... Mm. They've they've put themselves at risk in some way. That's the 
So that's that's the first sort of question. How how guided does your inquiry have to be? And what what is well, I suppose one of the things we're going to come back to again and again this episode is what is guided inquiry? What do you reckon it is? Are you asking me that question or are you asking the listener? Oh, well, let well, given it's a conversation format podcast, I think I should probably ask questions and receive <laughs> answers. So if, if you want to, if you want to have it as like a, a philosophical sort of let's let's ask the audience and wait two weeks to get some feedback from our four listeners. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, I guess you got like you've got your you've got your questions you're coming back to, right? You've got your inquiry questions that you've developed for your unit, and they sort of shape your inquiry. So I think you can always bring it back to them, and that's where you've got that ability. Um, when you're going through and, and reflecting on a unit, you can go back and look at those those questions as well to help you guide that inquiry and, and keep it swimming between the flags, so to speak, and not getting into trouble. Well, that's a good way of looking at your inquiry questions, aren't they? They're sort of your major checkpoints and major sort of big things you want to hit up when you're doing this inquiry basis. So for, for those of you who've just sat through a category one workshop and are going what the hell are all these inquiry questions all about there you go there's your answer i reckon digital's hard isn't it <laughs> yeah you've also got when you're like when you're creating a product in digital and you want to get that authentic testing do you want kids to put things live on the internet well mm. yeah it can get them some good good data good feedback what's the uh you know, what's the risk to it? And are they better off you just keeping it closed like on a um, intranet within within the school and getting feedback that way, which, you know, let's face it, gets done time and time again in design and you're sort of flogging yeah. the same audience a lot of the time. So it is nice to be able to think, okay, yes, we can, we can go out there and, and see what's out there. But, you know, it's like crossing a freeway sometimes. Yeah, you just you hope you don't get hit. Yeah, well, we've got we've got a unit that we're toying with at the moment, uh, where the whole point is to become a content creator, like a podcaster almost, or like a YouTuber or something like that. And that's one of the things you're wrestling with: is it like how authentic do we make this unit? Do we do we let them put themselves up on the internet to be flogged by the the general public, uh, or do we do we give them a slightly more controlled audience within the school? That's what that's the way we're leaning. You always kind of lean towards safety, I think, in that regard. But it's less authentic. It's less. It's it's usually their friends who are the ones giving feedback, and it's always positive. So that you lose something in the in the safe, coddled environment of a school. You know, this might be a question we can throw out there on the on the bluebird, David, about uh, getting getting some thoughts from those digi techies out there. Uh, yeah. What do they see as the you know the the line between safety and inquiry and digital design and and when do they jump in? Yeah, it's a great place for you to have a little bit of a chat collaboration between your counsellors, your wellbeing people in schools, admin, IT people. If you've got a tech integrator in the school, what do they reckon is the best thing to do? And just sit down and go. Look, I'm teaching this through a subject. I'm teaching this through the lens of design, but there's so many things we could hit off here, and safety could actually be a positive thing in my subject rather than something that restricts them which we'll get on to later we're, we're sort of we're restricting a certain level of uh, fun and inquiry and discovery in other ways in design but this could be maybe a way where you expand it and explore who knows mm. 
watch this space. Yeah, so we've we've just we've just demonstrated how little we know about digital design there. I think over the last ten minutes. How but given the inclusive nature of our podcast, we tried to start with it. We tried. We tried. At least you tried. All right. So we've 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 de- dealt with the rise of the machines, and uh, we've successfully quelled all of that. And and kids are safe online. They're keeping the Google Safe Search on. Actually, funny landing note before we move on. Um, what what do you reckon about all these monitoring softwares that you can get and use in schools, or or maybe something that's been sort of forced upon you by the by the local local authority, like we used to have one in London that would stop you looking at whatever you weren't supposed to be looking at in schools. What do you reckon to that? Uh, look, we're, pr- we're 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 pretty used to that here in China. Well, of course, yeah, yeah. The uh, the firewall is, <laughs> is is great and powerful, but in in terms of school stuff, like we, I know that we have a particular software. I won't name what it is but it allows us to look at the screens of any any student in our class at, during school time um and I, I i just don't use it i don't like it i prefer to trust them no i don't like it yes i'd rather if you if there's something they shouldn't be on and it's got no need in the school then you just you have it blocked in the school that's the easiest way to do it yeah if you're Keep if you're an older teacher closed. i reckon it's the digital equivalent of looking under your kid's bed just don't do it yeah What's that? What's that bag under the bed there? Pushed over in the far corner. Funny, funny smelling bag there. It's not mine. Oh, uh, must yeah. be David's dirty washing. All right, well, let's have a look at let's have a look at food, eh? Yeah, food. Now, food has a couple of different elements to it as well. You've you've got the you've got it's it's a many headed beast. You've got the the actual health risks of food, and then the the well, physical yeah. dangers too, don't you? And we sort of, well, let's talk, you, you've got, I guess when you're talking about the health, like in particular when you're you with meat or um, particularly chicken, that's where you, you really need to be careful. But you can you can watch, right? You can watch from a, from a distance if kids are, you know, chopping up chicken and just see what their next steps are. Have they washed that? Have they done that? Yeah. It can be a subtle approach, like just remember you need to wash that or... Um, you don't need to come in all heavy-handed with your hazmat suit on and everything, saying "Jesus, abort, abort, abort," but just making them aware of that. Because whilst it's you know it's it's perfectly acceptable in in some cultures, you know, and I'm sure I've had a bit of chicken juice on me salad before, and look, I'm still here, but just try and avoid it. Yeah, better better safe than talking to God in the white telephone for a week or two. Yeah. Yeah, and look, it's a bit, and some of the other things too, like skills and stuff. You know, making whole egg mayonnaise and stuff. That's where, in that process, yes, it's a good skill. Show the kids how to do it when they like, not show them how to do it, but you know, tell them this this is how you make mayonnaise and get them to go through the, the process of it. But then, rather than use that on the off chance, you know, you're not sure where the eggs might have come from, whatever. In their actual product, then they can just use some store-bought mayonnaise. So they're still demonstrating the skill. They're still, you, you know, that's where safety, you know, safety and inquiry. It's a bit like a Batman versus Superman, isn't it? You know, they start off hating each other at the start, but they actually come through and fight for the greater good together. So, I think that metaphor might make the director's cut. No, that's pretty good. That's a way you can get around it for those types of things in 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 regard to food safety. But the big one, obviously play with fire and you get burnt um fire does have a a bit of a place in the kitchen 
Um, yep. And it's usually when your kids are trying to light the hob, you know, the, the spark is not working. They're concentrating on the spark and not working. They're not concentrating the fact that the gas is still turned on and, yeah. you know, they're creating a bomb. Yes. Yeah. I... So that's where you just, you know, you might whiz past and just turn the gas off. They don't even notice it first. And then they just turn it back on after they then light it. Then you can say, look, you know what you've done here. Or sometimes it's turned off and there's still so much gas around that it still gives a little, you know, but it's, it's, it's dissipated enough to, to not be dangerous. The common, the common sense that we didn't have that we said that students don't have, don't count on them suddenly growing a common sense organ just because they walked into a no. kitchen. Yeah. And this is a bit what we talked about in the last in your with your Easter egg in the last episode, Dave, about positioning in a classroom to where you can, you know, you can preempt things that are going to happen, and that that really helps with this whole safety versus inquiry, frying things, um, whether it's just you know in a little bit of oil or a shallow fry. Yeah, kids are sometimes oblivious to how water reacts with hot oil. I was adults um, adults do it as well. Like you know, you're like, oh, it's fire. I must put water on it. That'll sort it out. And yeah. then suddenly the whole place is burnt to the ground. Yeah. That's it. And even just the way, you know, you, you drop some frozen food into a fryer or into a shallow pan of, of hot oil and it, it spits everywhere. And that's where, you know, kids are looking over it because they want to see what what's happening in the next minute. They've got oil burns. Um, yeah. yeah. Oil burns. So it's just that, that type of thing. And I guess a little bit of that, you know, mentioning that sort of stuff at the start, um, sort of when you when you're looking at criteria A, when you're doing some research, some of those things there. Not that you know that they will, you know, you're not assuming that they'll remember everything when it comes time for them to cook it. But at least you've spoken about it. So when you do say, re- remember about hot oil and water, and then oh yeah, that's right, yeah. You know, I need to, I can drop it in, but then I need to put the lid on the. Yeah. Or lay it away from yourself or, or whatever the little tip you've given is and hope it sticks. Yeah. 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 There's a certain yeah. amount of covering yeah. your ass as well in terms of like, you've said it. And so, yeah, it, it's been said, we went over safety and, and as much as you can be hands-on and sort of be floating, ready to jump in if something goes wrong, you can't all the time. So if you've sort of gone through it in the criteria, if you've mentioned the safety aspects and you've encouraged them to research the safety things they need, you've sort of covered yourself a little bit there, haven't you? And that's right. And that's where, you know, we go through plenty of uh, plastic spatulas when we're doing a little bit of frying. So, and that's, that's a bit of inquiry. It doesn't, you know, it's just, it's not like it's contaminated the food. It's just Mm. become quite limp and (laughs) needs to be thrown away. And just also about the way you dispose of, you know, we've had plenty of pipes, be melted out in the sinks here from kids tipping hot oil down so it's just those little things about being conscious and it's like everything right you, you learn from your mistakes so through that inquiry and you you learn from that and you learn how to be safer as opposed to modicoddling a kid the entire time and they never actually then see the consequences of it so they actually never understand the the safety aspect of it yeah we're back to our favorite atl they're failing well um, I think it's, it. it's really huge. This is, I think food's actually one area where I've realized that there's a certain amount of, um, that there's a lot of benefit to be taken from a little bit of preparation in terms of 
you can avoid a lot of your food stuff, your allergies, your stuff like that, just by having a look on your learning management system and going, oh, yeah, it's a nut-free school, but I never realized that Morris was allergic to shellfish and I've teamed him up with someone that's making Oysters Rockefeller for their final project. Imagine if you went to a school where they had Oysters Rockefeller. Uh, <laughs> uh, and stuff like that, just and, and all of these sort of things. And sort of going into the, the preparation, preparing the room, making sure it's all set up. You're going to save yourself a million headaches if you just know where everything is before the, the lesson even starts and you know what potentially could go wrong. Uh, but just like a kid too, right? Sometimes you're not going to know that as a teacher until you try it mm. and fuck it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, encouraging everyone to do all of the hard things themselves before the students come through the door because then you'll want yeah. absolute tit of yourself trying to chop onions in front of kids. Chopping onions, yeah. The simplest thing in the world, but the r- most ridiculous thing to have to do in front of 20 students to demonstrate knife skills. I don't know why we keep picking onions. Yes. I suggest you use carrots, julianning, julianning carrots. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes you want to show your softer side and cry in front of a lot of kids. Yes, well, that, that makes way more sense, doesn't it? That's why I'm not. A- well, if you do want to go down that path and, and just use onions um, to demonstrate some knife skills, swing by your swimming pool. If you've got a pool in the school or your PE department, grab yourself some goggles and whack those on your Uncle Fred when you're about to chop because then you're done. You don't need to worry about the tears. You're, it's it's happy days all around. Hand a box of tissues to the kids in the front row. but Yeah, or just don't chop the root off the onion, then you don't cry. Top tip. I've been, I've been watching a lot of YouTube over quarantine. The, the inquiry that comes with, with knife skills and, and the safety aspect is when kids, are, how they're holding, you know, let's say... Are they are they doing a claw grip? Are they got a bridge? All these types of things. Now, if you're not a if you're not a food person, you probably don't have a clue what I'm just talking about. Uh, claw. Um, yeah, Sorry. but you sort of know what I mean. You don't have to cut like Gordon Ramsay on your first session in food design. Or I will. Or I will turn into Gordon Ramsay. I'll scream at you. You fucking idiot. You idiot sandwich. And and you're not you're not a, a master sashimi chef from Japan either. You know you don't have to slice everything very delicately. And you know we're not making bento boxes and all. Kids have to to mess it up first to then realise okay I don't do it that way. And sometimes it's not that they they weren't their technique was right, but they didn't need a fucking machete to cut a little spring onion. At the end of the day, we're not looking for the loveliest looking gourmet meal it's like the product functions as intended so we're still talking about knives and then there's the other safety part of knives Dave that you're going to talk about yeah the when you get a a amateur magician in your class uh, (laughs) who likes to uh, who likes to make make your equipment disappear or and I'm not saying anything or a staff member who likes to make baking equipment or, or anything like that disappear because they don't have it at home uh, yeah, yeah you, I think you, staff for the worst. Probably, yeah, but it, it it can happen, especially if you're not at one of these lovely private schools or international schools. If you if you're in a situation where, yeah, you don't know who's coming through the door, so you might have somebody who is interested in procuring something sharp, and and you need to keep an eye on your stuff, basically, <laughs> uh, because at the end of the day, it's going to come back to you if 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 something happens. Yeah, and that's a bit uh, thinking about 
the way you, you set up your, your room, which is a, a whole nother conversation itself about, mm. you know, what's on display, what's locked up. We can talk about that later. Cause I know we've, we've both been through that where we've had to set up workshops and, and kitchens too. Yeah. Thinking about that, that. So. that idea of it's again, balancing freedom for the students with safety in regards to, okay, I, I can have all the equipment lovely on show so they can see where everything is. I'm probably not going to leave 20 chef knives hanging up on a wall where I'm nine times out of 10, I'm not going to miss one if one goes missing. Mm. So there's a yeah. certain amount of safety to that as well. And that goes for uh, product design, material design, workshop, whatever you want to call it, studio as well. Many, many things in there that are could be deemed as dangerous. Don't tell your admin. Nothing is dangerous. It's all under control. Calm down. Give me more money. But there, there's lots of things there that uh, there's lots of things there that could be deemed as a little bit, uh, a little bit pointy. And this is where admin admin come in, and they're all about safety. They're you know they're they're in the corner of safety here. Whereas design teachers, well, some design teachers, maybe in the corner of inquiry. Yeah, yeah. I and was always a safety person. I'm starting to come into the middle. Refused, refused to throw that towel in. Yeah, no, it's fine. Yeah, fire away with that hacksaw there. And you get parents as well. Parents, some of them are like, yeah, let them at it. Or others are like, oh, I'm not comfortable with this person using so much as a pencil. And you're like, yeah, okay, fine. That's your that's your wishes. But under direct supervision of me, I'm quite happy for them to do this and that and the others. So you have to balance that as well. Yeah, I think that comes from like the the background of of the teacher as well like you've we've got a lot of design teachers um that didn't necessarily have a design background before teaching that inquiry element is is quite natural because you know a lot lots of skills they taught themselves as well and they taught it through a bit of trial and error and and, and making mm-hmm. mistakes so they see the benefit of it whereas if you're someone that's come say from industry into design where it's very much you were taught the skills yeah you see that as the like as as the the priority that could that can be the be all so it's, a, it's yeah yeah and that's a that's a it's a good balance and you know being in a situation where we've had a had a joint uh food room where one teacher was from industry one teacher wasn't so it was, it was a good balance where they'll get the the skills a focus on the skills and, and the process of it industry level and then they would get the, the the benefit of inquiry as well yeah just the benefit of being in a department where you can go in and have a look at what other people are doing no matter how long you've been doing it somebody could come yeah. along you're gonna learn you're gonna learn something from them or they're gonna learn something from you so yes that's right so bloody trevor and morris have just managed to take themselves a couple of blades from the food room and then they've turned up at materials trev's decides he's uh he's going to show off and uh go all out and just decide to start drilling into some he's going to inquire into how far he can stick that knife into somebody else's leg under the table without us noticing is it yeah well he's actually going to inquire into how strong his wrists are for uh when the when the whole saw locks up in the bit of wood oh yeah and snaps his wrist you're now getting into the territory of electricity is getting involved and forces, literally forces beyond our control. Um, you've got power tools, you've got uh, machine tools to give them the technical term. You've got lots of stuff going on here. And this can be, this is where people start to get very uncomfortable. Even if you're an industry, 
professional for years and years and years, you probably weren't told how to deal with 20 people doing 20 different things, all of which are potentially dangerous to their own agree, degree. What's the, what's the guidance here? Well, similar, I guess it's just, you don't need to make a big deal of it. You know, you don't need to come down hard on, on the key. Just to remind him that you're, you're probably going to get that done if you clamp that down or particularly like for, for drilling, for example. Right. And that's where taking that little bit of time to go through the safety element first so that they know how to then inquire within, within the flags. Yeah. I think uh, Mr. D's top tip so far I've observed is holding stuff is, is the key, whether it's food and you've got your correct grip on whatever you're cutting and your correct, correct grip on the chopping board, or it's a drill and a saw and you've just clamped it down and it's steady Eddie. Uh, that's the top tip for today, isn't it? Make sure stuff is held in place. Yeah. Make, make sure it's secure. Like it just takes away one, one more thing that can go wrong. One variable. Yeah. With, with the drills and that, I guess, and then you've got your next element of <laughs> how deep can I go with this pass on the lathe before it explodes in my face? Yeah, we've had a couple of horror stories. I, I had a few horror stories in the university of like uh, a, a colleague of mine uh, who was on a lathe and they were quite a short person. I think she was about five foot one. Um, not sure what that is in real measurements, but she was very, very short and, and she was on a wood lathe and decided to make that exact judgment call and say, I can go a bit deeper on this. And I can take a bit more off the off the side, and the whole thing just disintegrated in front of her. And luckily, she was five one, and and the thing shot across the room, brushed her hair for her. Mm. And uh, yeah, she was very very lucky she didn't get it straight in the schnoz like I would have got. Letting people know that yeah, these, these things can happen, but let's not stress about them. And if they do happen, let's just chill and and see what we can go from there. Yeah, this is this is how you respond. And we you know we we must say we're not. We're not cowboys that just say to the kids, here's the fucking toys, see what you can do with it. Yeah, fire away. We do take them we do take them through how to use it first. Yeah. But yeah. we're you know You don't give them the whole risk assessment and say, ah, these are all the things that can go wrong because you're just gonna put the shits up kids and they'll be like, I don't want to do that anymore. But you go, here's the basic rules of being safe in this room with this thing. Here's how to use this particular tool, this particular tool. And if you need help, big big thing, if you need help or you're not sure, stop and put up your hand. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, things like the lathe and that, yes, we, we would probably be standing right there next to the kids while they're using it, while mm. still watching the other 20 kids in the classroom as well. Yeah, it goes back to your positioning thing, doesn't it? Where's the big button? Where's the big shutoff button? Uh, what, what's the dangerous thing you need to stand beside? And obviously the big ones of those are going to be Big, powerful electrical things that move fast, and hot things. I would say, like, and what would you, what what's something hot that you have in your classroom, Dave? Uh, at the moment, my mug of coffee is about the hottest thing in the classroom. But I've been in rooms where there's been some pretty cool stuff. Well, that laser we talked about got got that piece of plastic pretty hot last week. But <laughs> I'll go back to that terrible story. Tune in to episode five for that one. Yeah, I think anything with heat casting furnaces, even something like a line bender. Like if you've got yes. a hot, hot strip of metal there. Um, just anything where there's a potential for a burn. Yeah, the, even those little heat guns that can pack a punch quite quickly. Or even hot glue guns. Know, yeah. Super, yeah, supercharged hair dryers. That they, but particularly casting, like pewter casting is, is one 
you know, kids clamping that mold together and then realizing that the metal will find a way out, kind of like resin. Another one from episode five there. It's a beaut. But uh, doing that and metal, pewters are a funny one for them because, you know, they see it all shiny and then it sort of goes, um, goes back to a bit cloudy. And then they wait a bit and then they just assume that then it's cold, able to be handled. And if it's something quite thin, yes, it might be. Um, and then they make that, but then they, they make something a bit thicker and they say, well, I waited five minutes last time. And then they go to take out the next one and then leave a bit of skin on it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Joe Pesci in Home Alone with the door handle. Um, <laughs> yeah. Look what I did at school today, mum. <laughs> Heat's pretty dangerous. So yeah, you got to be right there, Johnny, on the spot. You got to have your first aid kit stocked as well, don't you? Go and talk to your school nurse. They're gonna look at you and go, "What do you plan to do? That you need all of this stuff?" Yeah. Yes, yeah, so they're gonna need bandages, tourniquets, burn cream, enough plasters to kill a man. We need all this kind of stuff, and they're gonna be like, "What are you planning to do? Like start a war?" I was like, "No, no, just just one semester of design. Thank you very much." And then yeah, if if you're it. that prepared, you'll actually end up using none of it. So it's brilliant. That's it. Hopefully. And I guess the thing, you, you know, say the kids, it's, uh, you know, res- respect the tool and you'll have a huge amount of fun with it and you'll find out you can do so much cool stuff with it. Fuck around with it and you won't be able to do much because you won't be using it. Yeah. And it all comes down to you as a teacher as well. If you're super into it and you've, you've, you've set them up that they really just want to get stuff done, you will have zero fucking around because the kids are going to be onto it and they're going to be pushing each other to do it. Whereas if you're if you haven't done the, the the groundwork up to now, then you will get kids who get a bit bored and kind of lose interest or, or they get disheartened because they can't do something to the best of their ability or what they thought their ability was. And then you get kids who start to fuck around. So it all comes back to just being super into it. Setting that standard, setting the expectation. And that's a bit the same with um, with dress code as well for, for kids in, oh, a, yeah. yep. in school. Obviously, different situations around the world, there's obviously different uniform expectations or you know or what what can and can't be worn to school um but i would definitely say you know the non-negotiable in a in a materials workshop is closed toes shoes we're in a very very hot country here and it's 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 hard to get students to wear closed shoes because they don't need them in every class they bring them to pee in their bag and it's gotten to the point now where i'm debating buying 20 pairs of crocs that they they did just slip yeah. on and off, <laughs> but and that's it, and that's it, right? Crocs or just some. It, it doesn't even matter if they're a bit big for them. Get a pair of cheap shit kickers that at least they can put on when they're doing some some, some work. Stuff, so yeah. if they do drop something on their on their feet, yeah, or spill something on their feet, nothing worse than burning through your best pair of slides with some pewter. Yeah, that's right. So you know we still want them to be able to count to twenty when they go to university mm. uh, they won't need to do that in university though come on you've met college students true it's another opportunity though go talk to your science science people go talk to the science department go what are your lab rules what do you make them do if you're starting out and go okay yeah well i can copy that and that and that and that or art what's the story in the art studio so i think it's important that you know we don't just say oh we're an myp subject it's got to be inquiry 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 and it's not shit we're fucking terrified of what might happen in this it's got to be safety 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 i think that the two can work quite well together when they're when they're done properly and i think they're 
one of the biggest tips, I guess, from from what I've learned is it it's invaluable just getting in there as a teacher and just going through something first, just trying it or even getting another teacher that doesn't necessarily know how to use something to come in and say, here, have a go at this and watch how they fuck it up because then at least you're prepared as to what you need to, (laughs) what you're going to get from the kids. Um, They probably won't do it as as bad as what the teacher might, but it sort of gives you an idea as to what could happen. It's, It's like when we, when you write, when we're writing and and the teacher says here go and go and proofread it and fix up your mistakes and it's like well if i fucking knew there was mistakes here i would have fixed them in the first place i don't know the mistakes so you that's your fucking job find them for me we're not going to see those things until someone else actually does it for us a bit of that as well as uh, for me with food or digital it's just a case of and even material stuff that i just haven't done before it's like well, I don't know how to do this. Should we go find someone who does? And just swallowing your pride a little bit in front of the students and being like, I have any clue, but let's go find out. Let's go into the next room, see what that teacher does. Let's go in, learn from the food teacher. What What's the correct way to do this? And that's that's inquiry in itself, isn't it? You're just guiding them through it yeah. by, by you doing the inquiry instead. Righto. Well, that sounds good. Well, next week, we've got, I guess it's a, it's not a, a request from listeners. The, the topic for next week came about about by a colleague of mine here at this school who doesn't teach design is moving on to a, a new school next year where they will be teaching design as a bit of a filler filthy casuals yeah they they know the design works off a design cycle they know that there's four strands in the criteria but what they were just asking what does do those strands look like in the classroom like when you're doing them what does it look like All so right. next week yep. a is for analyzing the week after is going to be called B is for... Div- oh, wait, no. We might need to review that <laughs> next week. Well, yeah, A is for analyzing <laughs> next week. Uh, talking about what actually happens in the classroom during Criteria A. And if you are still listening to us, tell your friends about us. Right, All see you later. Happy days. So tune in next week and join us for another ramble into the Learning Factory. See you later. You have been listening to The Learning Factory. Thank you for your attention. End of recording.